0: Welcome back to another episode of Being
1: Boss Babes. I'm Ron. I'm Vanessa. And are you guys ready? Because it's about to get real. Real, real. Women in journalism. Whew, that's a topic, right? That's. We were women in journalism for like four years. We were, you know? We we recently switched.
0: Very recent, about a week ago. ago. (laughs) But. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah, so we definitely do know what it's like to be a woman in the journalism, well, preparing to be in the field.
1: Uh, But do you guys? No, and a lot you, of people don't know about journalism and what my it's mom, like. My mom, I'm like, mom, hear this episode. So you no, can just... you know what I'm gonna say? I'm thinking it's like everyone who's not in journalism just doesn't get it.
0: They no, they really don't. And I mean, you you know, it's like not your life, so I get it. But this episode is to inform you on what it's like to be a journalist and to be a woman in that
1: field. It's tough. It's very tough. It's crazy. It's it's whew. It's one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Has it? And I mean, we didn't even go into the actual work. Breaking field point, like that man.
0: Breaking point.
1: I know it was a <laughs> lot.
0: Honestly, like my internships would be like,
1: what? The fact you did a journalism internship. I know, girl. I, I was out of there when I, I saw those requirements.
0: I know, right? I, I I stuck through it because honestly, and all honestly, I was like, I could really do this. And then. I was like, no, my heart's gotta be in it, you know? I'm like yeah. I'm like I can do it and be very good at it, but where the heart at, you know? The heart gotta be in it. And if the heart's not there, then it's not what you love. And you gotta do what you love. If you're trying to live a happy life.
1: I know. Honestly. You know what's crazy though about journalism? Advice from a twenty two year old. <laughs> you know what's crazy about journalism? What? that not even 50 years ago, it was just a male-dominated profession. It was. It I'm was. I'm like, oh, well, you were telling women that it was too dangerous, too much for us to do. Seriously. I'm like, what? When I did journalism, I loved it. I know, right? i kind of. Not yeah. all the way, Honestly, but like... When- it was, it was an experience. When it was the
0: rush, I was like, ooh, this is so much fun. It is Being, a rush. It's like the rush is, but then when you come down from that, you're like, whoa, I haven't slept I'm in like 13 tired. hours. I've only had iced coffee today.
1: Like, yeah, no, literally. And the fact that it wasn't a thing for women not even 50 years ago blows my mind. I
0: know, but women like Nellie Bly, Ida B. Wells, Oprah Winfrey. Maria like, Celestia. yes. Yes, like, who went here by the
1: way right she's in the den of distinction she is she they
0: were like trailblazers and they they made the path
1: yeah but um
0: speaking of trailblazing women we're gonna journalism. have a really
1: cool guest today guys yes she has a lot of good things to say Great she things. is an amazing professor She's my advisor. I go to her when I'm like crying about my life and <laughs> she just helps me. There's no pity parties over here. She no. I just gotta do it. And no, she's seriously. right. Um seriously. and she was she was Miss Thing in journalism. She really was. <laughs> Miss
0: Thing. Okay. So yeah, honestly, I'm really glad that we got her here as our very first interviewee. That's really exciting. And I'm glad that she's gonna be here to talk to us give us advice life advice as well as letting the audience know what it's like to be a woman in the journalism field because she's lived it
1: like fun fact about miss thing she was the reason i went into journalism really? i started out here as pr dude and i was like this is weird <laughs> <laughs> so then i went to her because i was feeling comfy with her and she was like you should do journalism it's like the best thing on the planet and i was like okay and then i did it for uh up until this fall. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little heartbreaking to let go. It was. But she understood. It's really not for everyone. And if you're burnt out, you're burnt out from journalism.
0: Yeah. Do I miss journalism? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I do, but um when I think about my life as a whole and I'm like, could I do that forever? I'm like, no, we
1: good. We a yeah. decision. Yeah. Literally listening to her, I was like, "Whoa. I, I could like, never."
0: Listening to her, I was like that would have and like I,
1: yeah, no, literally. Okay. But like the fact she did that, yes, that's a lot. Yes,
0: so um,
1: I'm exhausted just from like thinking about it. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, so I hope you guys are very interested to hear what she has to say, and yeah, let's
1: let's introduce her. So today we have a very special guest, Professor Lisa Collins. The crowd goes wild yeah <laughs> but first question how are you how are you feeling
2: i'm great i feel good i mean i'm look you guys are doing this this is so exciting this podcast i feel like there's so much creative energy on campus it's really it's fun to be teaching mm, i bet
0: <laughs> so we we're just gonna dive right in okay. okay so okay like everyone knows you are a professor here from mass communication you were once a journalist. So we want to ask, like, did you feel any repercussions as a woman in journalism?
2: I didn't feel any, any repercussions as a journalist. I think my issues as being a female employee were really just being in a workplace. And a newsroom is a hard place to be a female because you are on call quite a bit. If news breaks, you're supposed to go in and you want to be a good team player. It got a little harder once I started having children. I think my bosses weren't always very understanding about the demands of being, especially a new mother and having an infant at home. Uh, The boss I had at the time, the news director, he himself had just become a dad, but his wife stayed home with the baby. So he didn't have the same insights that I did. and So that was frustrating just as an employee. So that does happen, and I think the workplace is getting better, and hopefully when you guys are in newsrooms or in agencies or wherever, You guys land after school, that people will be more in tune to the needs of, uh, especially parents in the workplace and what women need to be successful. So I wouldn't say that anyone was like, you shouldn't be here, you're a woman, but it was more like, you know, uh, misunderstandings about what I needed to do my job well and to be a good parent.
1: Yeah, I do. I am curious though, why did you go into journalism?
2: I always wanted to be a journalist. I really, I loved reading. I loved writing. And then I I must have read a book or something about, oh, I I know I read Harriet the Spy. And that's a fun (laughs) book. And she was like always journaling and writing things down. And I don't, for some reason, I just felt drawn to writing and um, not fiction. I'm still not a very creative person. But I felt like I could, I could transcribe, you know, like I could tell you what was going on. I was a talkative kid. Um, my, my grandfather on my dad's side and my grandmother on my mother's side like they never met a stranger, and I was kind of like that as a kid. I never shut up. Um, in fifth grade for Halloween, I dressed up for school as a journalist. I'm not really sure. I think I wore a hat and like had a notebook. Like I'm, not, I had I had a sweatshirt that had like a journalist theme I don't know it was pink like I don't a know coffee mug. It, 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 kind of was. it was like it was like a news a, a newspaper and a, and a and a reporter's notebook and a pencil and a typewriter and I just I thought it would just be the most fun job and um and it was it was a fun job so yeah that's that's kind of how I came to it and I went to college specifically to be a journalist I looked only at journalism programs and um got a great degree and started working right away after college
1: did you want to be a journalist? Where you went to college or here in New Orleans?
2: Um, I went away to school. I went to the University of Missouri, and I chose it because of their program, but I did not want to stay in the Midwest. In fact, I had a job interview in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I called them the day before or a couple of days before I was supposed to meet, drive up there and interview and meet with the news director. And I said, you know, I'm not going to take this job, I, and I'm sorry, and they said, well, that's, we understand, and, you know, I didn't want to waste their time or mine, um, but I was not interested in living anywhere where there was snow. I had four years of snow, and that was fine. I was enough, um, so kind of on a fluke, um, I had a classmate who interviewed for a job in Baton Rouge, and he wanted to go back home to Colorado, but, so he passed on the job, and he's like, I think you'd be It'd be a good fit for you. And it was. It was fantastic. It was a really great newsroom. It was a great town to be telling news in. Um, at the time, well, this was not great, but there was a serial killer on the loose. So that was an exciting thing <laughs> happening. Um, and the former governor of Louisiana was convicted of crimes. And so that was exciting to cover. Um, and a lot of my friends had gone to LSU, so they were still in Baton Rouge. So it was like I had a built in network, which I highly recommend for anyone when you're looking at jobs post college. Think about where you want to be, because lifestyle is really important. And having a network of people that you can rely on who can, you know, tell you where to go to the dry cleaners or tell you where the dog park is or just tell you what the good bars are, you know, that's something really important. It's really hard to move someplace and be completely alone.
0: You During Hurricane Katrina, you were a journalist and you stayed here for six weeks. How did that affect your personal life? So
2: um, to give you a little background, so I had gotten married in September of 2004 and we actually evacuated a week before our wedding for Hurricane Ivan, which went, it went further east. It caused a lot of damage in Florida and Alabama, but I like, I had my wedding dress in the back of my car and I was oh evacuated God. and freaking out, like, are we going to have to cancel everything? It worked out fine. Um, but at the time I was working for WDSU and I was a promotions producer. So I worked more on the, here's why you should watch us. We have the best weather casters and I was working on basically commercials for the, television station. And uh, the weekend of the storm on that Saturday, we had a hotline for viewers. Many people in New Orleans had never left New Orleans. Like they have never gotten in a car and driven out of town. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know which way to go. So we set that up as a service to our viewers and I was running that hotline And my husband was really nervous. We'd been married for less than a year. And he also worked at a TV station. He worked for the Fox station here in town. But he was in sales. And so it's a much different, he had much different duties than I did. And I came home Saturday night and it was a category three. And I woke up Sunday morning, and it was a Category 5. And it was really scary. And the, it was as big as the Gulf. Like, it took up the whole Gulf of Mexico. And my husband was like, I'm putting my foot down. You can't go to work. And I was like, you can't tell me what to do. you know. <laughs> but I was really scared. And at that point, the news station said and they do this every time there's a hurricane they said if you're not comfortable staying you can go so I left I I didn't have duties like I wasn't a producer in the newsroom I wasn't a reporter um and and many people did leave they had families or they had pets and they couldn't stay um so I would say a team of maybe like 25 stayed so I evacuated with my family and we went north of Baton Rouge went to St. Francisville and it was really hard to be gone um one of the hardest things that happened was uh, a public information officer with the NOPD. So he was our—he was the conduit between the newsrooms and the police force, um, and he committed suicide after the storm. It was really hard to hear that had happened. Um, so about a week and a half after the storm had passed, um, I got a well, I called the newsroom, and they had set up shop in Jackson, Mississippi, and they said, "Come in, we're going to put you to work doing whatever we need." So I quickly transitioned. Um, to the newsroom. And um, I was there in Jackson for a few weeks. And then I went to Orlando for a month because we had a sister station in Orlando. And that was very strange because Orlando was totally normal. Like, I did a lot of retail therapy. I did a lot of shopping. Um, I worked 12 hour shifts. I drank a lot of wine. My husband wasn't with me. I was alone in a hotel room. You know, you get really close to your co-workers. So, um, so that was a challenge. But you know, and then we came back to the city, and we were trying to get back to normal, but we did many more hours of news um, on the air. We expanded our newscast, and I did transition uh, into the newsroom full-time as a producer. So, I don't know, you build a family. It's a really hard way to be in a family. Um, I would say, like, half of us lost a home or had a parent who lost a home. And, and we just kept working, you know, and there was a lot of trauma. My husband still thinks that I'm still traumatized. He's probably right. I never went to therapy about it. I probably should have. We But we were all traumatized. Well, yeah, yes. And you, so how old were you? I was seven. Yeah, and that's a lot for a child to go through.
0: It was very traumatic because it's like I was in Texas and everything was so normal. And I come <laughs> home on TV and see like my home underwater and I'm like, how am i supposed to do homework right
2: now yeah how can you prioritize these trivial things it's really hard and and emotionally it's very hard because you have to you have to keep going right you are lucky you survived there's a lot of survivors guilt i think too so yes katrina was a turning point for me professionally turning point personally um I always I always, you know, 2005 and you probably do too. That before and after, you know, pre and post K. Is kind of how we think about it in our families. No, no, seriously. Yeah, it's it's understandable. It was a big defining moment for many people in this region.
0: And okay, so during that, you just you had a rigorous career. Like it was a lot. When did you realize okay, it's time to start a family. Like it's time to like bring children.
2: Kind of after Katrina, I was I think I was 28. I was like, we should start having kids. But my husband had just started an MBA program at Tulane. So um, he finished that in 2008, and that's when we got pregnant. So we tried to time it so that he wouldn't be in school, and I um, I was still working full-time. Um, it took a little while to get pregnant. It was a frustrating process, but eventually it worked out. And I um, had my first daughter in 2009, and then the Saints won the Super Bowl. I don't want to say it's because of Lucy Grace Collins, but... <laughs> You know, um, yes. So that was <laughs> that was a really exciting time to be a producer that the weekend of the St. Super Bowl, um, there was an election for mayor on Saturday and the Super Bowl was Sunday and then they had the parade on Tuesday. Like, it was just nonstop. It was very exciting. Um, so, yeah, and I knew I wanted to have more than one child, and uh, I had my second daughter in 2013. I had a miscarriage in between, and um, which was hard, but uh, I've since found that many women go through this, and it's something that they don't really talk about, but it is something that happens um, frequently. Um, and during uh, 2012, 2013, there had unfortunately been several children who were shot and killed in New Orleans. We were doing a lot of stories about funerals for children and it was really hard and I was like I can't I don't know if I can do this anymore I mean I was in the newsroom I wasn't talking to people directly I wasn't at these funerals but we were covering them and um it was really hard so I started kind of looking around I looked at some marketing jobs looked at some PR jobs and nothing really sounded exciting and then Dr. Dewey called me when I was on maternity leave for my second daughter she's oh I have these two classes I need someone to teach I was like Sweet, so you get Mardi Gras and like, two weeks for Christmas, and she was like, yeah, and I was like, this sounds fantastic, and I'm so glad I took the opportunity.
1: Yeah, one of the questions we had for you was, what was it like going from full-time journalist to full-time professor? So, because um, those are two different crazy careers, right, like,
2: news- right, so in the newsroom, you work and then you go home and unless there's breaking news like I wasn't at home like thinking about my rundown or thinking about what's I mean you think a little about what's going on and what stories should we cover but I wasn't taking my work home I would go home and I was a mom I didn't have to worry about you know checking on a newscast or anything like that so teaching men I had to manage my time very differently and that that was a big shift for me all of a sudden I had Things to grade and lectures to write and um, students to meet with, and so it did take a lot of um, time management, organization. Um, I think I'm more organized now, but I also think because I was a mom and a journalist that I was already used to kind of to double timing. I was already used to managing kids and a house and a dog and a husband. And and I look, my husband is a fantastic partner. He's he's a wonderful husband. But there's something about you know like who's going to pay for the kids' school lunches, you know, or who's going to make sure they have snacks after school, or who makes sure they're going to musical theater class. And he works with me on all of that. But – when you add that layer to your life, you become a much better multitasker. So I think when I started teaching, I was already doing that in some way. So then I had to apply it to my professional life. And I've really enjoyed it. And I've learned so much. I mean, I I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I'd never taught. But I had worked with the interns at WDSU. And I always enjoyed that. And so that kind of gave me insight to working with young people and how to talk with them, and how to coach them. I really consider myself a coach in a lot of ways in the classroom.
1: You're my coach. You do know that, right? You really, you're like
2: my advisor. That's That's, uh, you're so sweet. Oh, and I didn't respond to your email about resumes, but we'll talk. So, sorry. So, you recently got your
1: master's. Yes, thank and. You. What inspired you to go? Because you've been doing all these crazy things in life. And I'm like, how do you have the time? Because I don't know. I watch less television. See, that's a problem. We watch a lot of television. television. You,
2: So that, you know, one of the time management skills I picked up was um, to do an audit of your time or to um, track your time. Because you may not know this, but there's 168 hours in a week. And there's 24 hours in a day. But if you look at it as one day at a time. You get overwhelmed. But if you look at 168 hours, you have time for everything. So you take out time for sleeping, and you take out time for, like, you know, basic things. You have plenty of time. Even if you spend 40 hours on a job, you still have time left over to do other things. So how do you spend that time? So I found that I was spending a lot of time on social media and um, and watching bad television. That's really, you know. And I think as a young parent, you do – you can't – there's only – I love my children, but there are only so many times I can play pretend kitchen, you know, or that I can I can watch Dora, the explorer. Um, So um, once my kids were a little older, it was easier to go back to the classroom. Um, Dr. Dewey was like, you should get a master's. And I was like, well, I'd like to keep working here. So that sounds like a great suggestion. Um, But it really did help me. It helped me in how I teach. It helped me um, in how I I learn. It exposed me to research and publishing and so many things that I never had to to deal with when I was working in a newsroom. So it really was an excellent experience. It was just um, how do I manage my time in the classroom and also do a master's. And when I left the newsroom and started teaching, I was still freelancing. Uh, as a journalist so I just basically took the time I had been devoting to freelance work and converted it to my master's work and I definitely you know it was like Tuesday Thursday mornings that's when I would work on schoolwork and I definitely spent weekends working on projects I definitely missed a lot of crawfish and, <laughs> you know friends birthday parties but um, but they understood and my family understood I did homework with my kids you fit it in where you can You just make it a priority. How long did it take you to get your master's? It took me three years in one semester. You did it online, right? I did it all online. Um, I had to go to campus twice, and uh, I went to the University of Missouri again because they had a good program, and I trusted the program. And um, I took a class a semester. There were one summer I took two classes, but I wasn't teaching, so that was easier. And then towards the end, when you work on your thesis, you do spend more time um So it was more like taking two classes at once, but it was all my, I, I set the schedule. So I could, you know, fall break. I haven't had a real fall break in four years. So I'm so excited about this fall break. <laughs> I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to go to lunch with friends. Usually I was like, oh, why do I still have to f- work on? What do I still have to finish? I have to finish a paper. So, yes, you definitely um, you appreciate your free time more. That's exciting. I'm excited for you. Well, thank I'm like, you. And you. You get are so like sweet. a little break. And my students were so supportive. I did a survey and so many of my students, current and former, took it, which was just really great. And, um, and it helped me in my research. Yeah. So I was grateful for that.
1: Yeah. I like remember going into your office and you'd be like super stressed about me or masters and I'm like, but can you just help me with my
2: schedule? <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the thing. Scheduling is important to you and it sets a foundation I mean that's the thing I couldn't be like I'll deal with you students later you know like you're in advising I had to advise yeah I couldn't just say come back later you know Um, you weren't I think you might have been in London but I had these like big huge post-it notes on my wall and I looked like a crazy person but that was how I also planned a Disney World trip in the middle of it so and, and we had a fantastic time and I had a fantastic plan. So that's what I did. Like that was my release when I didn't want to work on a paper. I was like, oh, let's look at the, the restaurant <laughs> times for the be our guest lunch. You know that I love that stuff. And that's that's kind of what kept me sane.
0: OK, so you we had a question asking you how would you balance it. But you basically just
2: summed okay. it. I don't know how I balance it. <laughs> I, I don't know, that, know that, do. that I do.
1: <laughs> I know, that's crazy. I'm like, I had no idea there were 168 hours in a week. There are. And the fact that you plan that out is Oh, like I read a book. I read a insane. book. Insane. It's
2: called you read it's a called book? It's there's well there's a couple, but uh, there's this one author. It's called I Know How She Does It. And it's fantastic. And it's mostly it mostly focuses on working women, but it is also advice for young people and, and and working men too, working dads. And it really is about, you know, you don't have to get it all done in one day. And it is okay if you don't. And it's about looking at the whole week. I love paper planners. That's one way I stay balanced. But I do, I have a Google calendar. But I love writing it down and see what's coming up. And every day at the end of the day, I, before I leave my office, I make sure that I have a list of what I need to do tomorrow. And that helps me kind of put a lid on the day. And I am still working on going home and just focusing on my kids. Like yesterday, yesterday. I had to grade the Scantrons for Intro to Mass Comm. They had their first test. So I had like paper all over the dining room table. But I know I don't have to do that in my office. I can go home and do that and be with my kids and like mostly pay attention to them, you know. Like get snacks in between. And they're old enough. They're old enough. Like <laughs> right. Like I'm refereeing what they're watching on Netflix, but I can still get work done. And so you have you have to be flexible. I mean, really, that's the key to be balanced. You have to be flexible with your plan. That's a really good tip. I'm like I need to read this book ASAP. Pro tip: put it put a, link it up in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. You obviously have it all together.
1: I, like, look at you, and I'm like, I need to have this time
2: management,
1: because...
2: It's taking me 42 years to get to this point, though. It, this, this didn't happen in college.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, when will that happen for me? I could never imagine a time where I have it, like, all figured out like this. Like, you have kids, a dog, a husband. You go to
2: spin class. Oh, but that's why I bought a bike, so I don't have to go to class. I don't have... To, and ain't nobody got time for that. No. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, if we want to have date night, we have to book a sitter and we have to make a plan, yeah. but I'm a, but I'm a planner, so I like that. But it forces us to say, "Hey, we're going to connect on Saturday night." Is he a planner? He he goes. Or have you plans. made him a planner? Well, we you kind of have to be with kids. <laughs> yeah. Having kids makes you plan. Someone has to watch them. So, <laughs> I, I discovered this. Um, so it's kind of like we, but we make it a priority. Like that's the important thing like we both like to go out and have dinner and have a normal adult conversation. And so every few weeks, well in a couple of weeks we're going on a little trip. It's our 15th wedding wedi- it's our 15th wedding anniversary next week and we tried to plan a Caribbean vacation and it just didn't work out, so we're going to go to the Grand Hotel in Fairhope, Alabama. It's 3 hours away. It's beautiful. They have a spa, they have a great pool. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And and we know it's important. And so Yes, mm-hmm. and my in-laws will be here with the girls, so we've got that all planned out. And, you know, he, and he, he, yesterday he told me, have you called the spa? I'm like, "Oh no, I forgot. <laughs> so I have to call the spa for So, but he knows that's important to me. So he's he's really great when it comes to that sort of thing.
1: I need a good life partner like this.
2: <laughs> you do? No. That's the best tip I can give you is to find someone that supports you. And they may not have the same goals as you, but they understand why your goals are important. Number one tip, your life is so much easier when you have a partner. And it doesn't have to be a romantic partner. You just can have a work wife. You can have a boss babe. Everyone needs a boss babe. It's true. You need a boss babe because they – and they can tell you, Vanessa, maybe you shouldn't watch The Office for the fifth time. You know, Not that that's a conversation you guys have had. But like, you know, you – you can see Ron's goals, and she can see yours, and yeah. she can be that kind of buffer. So true.
1: Maybe we have found it, but we just need it like, yeah. beyond this Justin Collins and, like, Lisa Collins level where, like, you remind me to call the spa and call the sitter. <laughs> I
2: think that's fantastic. Well, it took me a while to get to that point with my husband. So it, it really makes a difference when someone in your life is rooting for you. And they could say, like, my husband could have said, you don't need your master's. Why do you need that? But he did. And it was a big commitment on his part, part too. Because when I started, my youngest was like two. And that's still a hard age. So that's my number one life tip. Find a life partner that will help you grow and can help you see, you know, where you need to go next in your life.
1: Yeah. Speaking of tips, do you have any tips for seniors that are going into journalism in that field?
2: So um, I feel like. You know, I always have students who say, "We look at my resume, and the resume should really show what work experience you have, and your portfolio should have your most recent work that you're proud of. Um, I think employers are looking for people who can do it all, and that's a really hard thing to ask a a senior, you know, to ask a graduating student of. But if you can do, like, two or three things really well, and you have a knowledge of the other skills that they're looking for. That means they know that you could go into a newsroom and they could say, "Okay, we want you to we want you to create a podcast for the station." You know, you've done that. How could you do it again? Um, you know, turn the things you're passionate about into something that's a positive on your resume. Does that help?
1: Yeah, that definitely helps for people going to journalism. And the thing is
2: you know for you guys you're doing this not for a grade and not for a class and an employer will look at that and be like oh they're putting their time and energy in this extra thing and they did it well and they learned new skills and you know you didn't benefit from an academic standpoint but you in other ways it helped you grow and you know anything that you do for the maroon or anything that you do for class it all adds up to this wealth of knowledge that you have and I mean okay In Digicom, I have the students learn Premiere, and they may not have touched it for two years after that, but they have a basic understanding of how it works. So they could use Final Cut, or they could use another nonlinear editing program, and an employer could say, you might be rusty, but could you still do it? And you can. So that's, that's what we try to do here, is to give you guys a foundation of knowledge. And then what skills you need in the workplace depends on where you end up.
0: So wrapping it up, we do have one last question. What advice would you give to young women? Just life advice.
2: Uh, besides have a great life partner, um, don't get a dog until you're older. <laughs> this is tough advice for some young women to hear. Um, you don't, you don't want a living thing relying on you until you're maybe a little more stable and you have, like, a reliable roommate or partner or husband that can remember to let the dog out when you forget. Not that that's ever happened in my life. Our thing is we overfeed the dog. Like, I feed the dog and then Justin feeds the dog and then the dog is excited and we're like, oh, what happened? Um, but I think, you know, when I was 22, I picked a job that I knew I was going to like, but could grow with. And I picked to work in a town that I could have a network in. Quality of life is really important. You know, especially when you're a journalist, you might have not great hours when you start out. So it's really important to think about who is around you, who can support you. And if someone is not supporting you, you don't need them in your life. If someone is not... um, Helping you advance your goals, and they're just draining you of energy. You don't need that person in your life. So think about also where are you putting your energy. If you have a friend, and every time you see them, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can handle this person in my life today. And it's a tough thing to say, but you know, you only have so much time and energy and resources, and you have to put them where they benefit you as a person and as a person who's growing into being a fantastic young adult.
1: That was really good advice.
2: I was like, "Wow, you're so right." <laughs> it's, oh, I had to, I had to do that in my own life. It was really hard, yeah. but it's you know, I my priority are my children and my husband, and myself, and and my career. And you know, you can't. I have sisters. That's enough drama. You know, I love my sisters. I love my sisters. They live in town. I see them all the time. I have a brother. You know, my mom lives here. Um, my brother, my husband's brother, lives here too. He's married to a family friend, and you know, we have an amazing network of family here in town, and that's who we hang out with. And and we and my husband and I, we do. Have, we have our couples friends, and I have friends. That's another tip: make time for friends because I, you know, I have a friend, and we're going to a sound bath at a yoga studio next week. It so much fun, and um, we basically just lie on the floor, and then we go drink wine and talk about oh our lives. God. We need these adult things <laughs> in our lives. <laughs> I need to lie um, on the floor and drink wine. Swan, Swan River Yoga. But the key is that I schedule that in, because I'm not, it isn't going to happen unless I say, I need to connect with Christine. We haven't had a mom date in a while. And we met, because our kids went to the same daycare. She's a teacher, too. She teaches at high, junior high. And so... We have some of that in common, but I know if I don't put it on my calendar with Christine, I'm not going to see her for months. And I need that time with my friends. So scheduling time with friends, it sounds like a drag, but it's really important. Because you need to put things on your calendar that are going to energize you. It can't just all be work. It can't just all be shit you got to do. It needs to be things that you want to look forward to. Because that's what gets you through the week, right? That's what motivates you to get the shit done so that you can have fun. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so
1: much Professor Collins. All of this is so good to listen to and I'm sure our viewers are going to love it. Well, I'm Actually, very honored our listeners. I keep
2: saying viewers because of this journalism life. It could become <laughs> it, it could become a video podcast. But thank you guys for having me and I'm just so excited to hear how this grows. It's such an exciting project. Congratulations.
1: Thank you for being our first guest. <laughs> But, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to have way, way more guests, way cool women. Get ready, guys. Yeah, but thank you for starting us off, and we appreciate you.
0: You're a boss babe.
1: Yeah, you are a boss babe. Thanks, guys. You're (laughs) boss babes.